how many of you here have ever been told that you are living questionable lives at some point in your life? Guilty as charged. Okay. If I were to encourage you to live a questionable life today, you'd probably look at me kind of like this girl. What? But that's exactly how um, I want you to think about as we journey through today's message. I want you to think about living questionable lives. Not in the way that you probably are used to or were used to, but in a different way. See, I, I wasn't, I can tell you I did not ever want to become a pastor. As a matter of fact, my junior year, my dad approached me and had the talk. You know, hey, son, you're growing up. What do you think you want to become? And I said, I want to become a stockbroker. And he goes, why? I said, I want to own a nice big house, own a couple of BMWs, two German Shepherds, have a beautiful wife, have a house on the beach. And he says, but why? I said, I want to work in a suit and tie all day. And he goes, why don't you become a pastor? I said, that's the last thing I'll do. But I'm not in a tie. We often, we often have an idea of how and what we should do. Even growing up as kids, as teenagers, we have an idea of what is right and what is wrong. We have an idea of what we should do and what we should not do. We have an idea of what our parents are going to be happy with and not. So we have a pretty good idea of what we need to do, or, 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 right? But when it comes to, as Christians, more specifically, what we do day in and day out, the waters become a little bit muddy, in a sense, because we often hear that we all have a gift, we all have been given this special opportunity to share or to utilize our gifts, but sometimes we fall short because it may not meet my personal plan. It may not align with what I want to do. It may not align with my agenda for the day. And it may not align with these are my financial goals. So this morning, I want to bring your attention to a couple of verses. We're going to look at it on the screen. And it's found, we're going to look at these two verses together. Yeah, for somehow, some reason it had a built-in animation in it. I'm learning a new program, so bear with me. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And we're going to look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Okay? So, when we look at Col Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this. Read with me, please. 
and he himself gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some... How many of you are none of the above? Interesting, right? We, we look at this verse, we look, look at what Paul is saying here. Well, I don't fit that description, so I'm out. You know, it's like you're in a shark tank where, where, where if it doesn't interest any of the sharks, they say, for this reason, I'm out. I'm not one of those, and for that reason, I'm out. You know, it's interesting also to note that Paul highlights here these are gifts for specific roles and specific functions. When we look at, and this is a wonderful study, the Bible's way of predestination, it never talks about your life being mapped out for you. But it talks about you being chosen for a specific role, a specific function. These are some of those functions. But these are specific and where you have individuals who are gifted and who are developing their gifts to be exactly that. Not everybody can be a teacher. Not everybody can be an apostle. Not everybody can be a prophet. As a matter of fact, Paul says if all of all of the gifts, if you aspire to have one, aspire to be what? A prophet. Who wants their child to become a pastor? Don't raise your hand. I know for a fact that parents do not want their kids to become pastors for the majority of the time. Why? It's hard. It's painful. You've got to deal with people's ugliness day in and day out. You're not ugly people. I'm not saying that. Okay? But the ugliness I'm talking about is you deal with people's problems every single day. As a matter of fact, um, Barna puts pastors as the, one of the, in the top three most difficult professions in the country. Not all of us can be pastors, and not all of us can be teachers. Right? Let's look at Colossians. Colossians 2, excuse me, Colossians 4, chapters 2 through 6, verses 2 through 6. It says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word. Now, a little bit of contextual background here. When you look at Ephesians, Paul is talking to the Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, and he's addressing the specific gifts that people have. Me neither. Got you tired. So when we have are looking at this in Colossians, at the church of Colossae, he's also addressing the members. But notice the language he's using here. He's not addressing specific 
gifted area. But he's encouraging these individuals to do what? It's right there on the screen for you. Earnestly pray, right? Earnestly pray with these, for those who have the gifts, because he's talking about himself, to pray for those who have the gifts that the doors might be open for them to share the word. I will say this. Sharing the word is not the sole responsibility of the pastor. I'm just forewarning you. Let's continue. To speak the mystery of Christ. Let me pause you. Do you know what the mystery of Christ is? It's that he came. He was born of a woman. That he lived among men. He died. He resurrected. And he's coming back. That is the mystery. That is the message that we ought to proclaim. For which I am also in chains. Paul's in prison as he's writing this, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So Paul is imploring, he's begging the people in Colossae to continue to pray so that he can continue to share the word. And where is he in this very moment? He's in jail. He's in chains. And he continues, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. He's he's encouraging the people of Colossae to say, listen, you know the way you you ought to walk. You know how you ought to conduct yourselves, so do it. Redeeming the time means use every able opportunity that you have that's been given to you to let your speech always be with grace. Be filled with grace, with love. That doesn't mean that you avoid calling sin by its name. In all things, speak the truth, but in love. This is what what Paul is saying. He continues, Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And seasoned with salt, you know, I I read here, and, and the kids sang, Let your light shine, because Jesus says, You are the light of the world. But then a couple verses down, he says, What? You are the? Do you know that if you put too much salt in food, it's not tasty at all? I remember when I was doing my evangelism practicum in the, in this, I was by myself uh, in the city of São Vicente in Brazil, and we had one day off a week, and my cousin came down from from São Paulo, and uh, my buddy who was the next uh, town over in Santos, he he came over. We're spending the day together, and we decided to cook. College student, never cooked in my entire life. Let's cook some beans. And so I'm sitting over there, I, I called the, 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 the elder's wife from the church, I said, how do I do this? And she gave me the instructions, this is again before cell phones. And so I'm sitting over there putting everything into the pot, and I take out the, the salt. I, and it came in a little plastic bag, and I cut the top of it off, and I'm carefully measuring what I, you know, eyeballing it to 
what was supposed to be a, a tablespoon of salt and out this, this rock from the bag just falls into the, the pot. I'm like, the whole thing is gone. Then the neighbor came over, and, he, and he's a little bit more experienced. He was a chef. He said, you might have a chance. Drop a potato in the pot because it will absorb the saltiness of it. It's, it was still pretty bad. It was still pretty bad. But Paul is saying, be careful. Don't put too much salt. Use just enough. Notice that in all of this, he doesn't take away the responsibility from the people to talk about God. To act and behave as if Jesus is present in their lives. He says, walk righteously, now I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, speak graciously, and answer every question lovingly. This is the responsibility that the people have. You know, Peter would agree with Paul, but what's also interesting is the manner in which things happen. See, in the early Christian church, they decided, there, there's so many movements that talk about, we need to go back to what the apostolic era was, to love and, and share and, and, and care for the poor and the elderly and the, and, and the widows. There are movement, movements within Christianity that call people to go back to that. But what's interesting to know is how even outsiders of Christianity took notice to what Christians did. One of them was the Emperor Julian. Now, granted, I, I, I am going to forewarn you, he's talking from the perspective of a heathen, a non-Christian, and where he, which he calls Christians heathens. Check this out. We must pay special attention to this point and by means affect a cure. In other words, he's not happy with what's going on. He says, we need to come out with a solution to take this away from them. For when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the priests. So he's looking at from his perspective as the emperor. He has the official religion, which is paganism, not Christianity. And he's saying that, wait a minute, they're calling, they're drawing the masses to themselves, and we ought to be doing the same thing. Then I think the impious Galileans observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. And they gained ascendancy in the world of, of their deeds through the credit they win for such practices. When they are far away from their, from their finds, cast them on board a ship and sell them as slaves. By the same method, I say, the Galileans also begin with their so-called love feast or hospitality of services of table. 
for they have many ways of carrying it out, and hence call it by many names. And the result is that they have led very many into atheism. It is kind of funny, isn't it? That even those that are non-Christians took notice into the way that the Christians were behaving, though they did not agree with their lifestyle, they're like, they're doing something right. As a matter of fact, Julian went on as, as farther to try to instill this same concept of philanthropy within his own priesthood, but they couldn't do it. Why? It was missing a key ingredient. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Love those who persecute you. Treat them with kindness. You see, the pagan priests were all about themselves. They wanted to enrich their pockets. They weren't looking out for the people next door. They weren't looking out for the needy, the hungry, the husbandless, the wifeless. They were looking for themselves, looking out for themselves. And so Julian's Efforts fell flat. It didn't work. It didn't work. Reviewing Herald in 1893, there was an article that was published and it said this, every believer is called of God for this very purpose. He is to do his best towards illuminating others by, his giving, by giving his talents of time, influence, ability, money to the service of God that the truth may be set before those who are in darkness. The truth must be brought home personally to the hearts of men. We all have a responsibility. We all have a calling. We all have been tasked with something. But what is it that we, we have to do? What is it? Let me share with you another text in, 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 from the book of Titus. Now, this is chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Bear with me. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The elderly women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. There's this whole sermon right there in of itself, but that's for maybe another time. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works. Hmm. To be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, 
that one who isn't an opponent may be ashamed. In other words, Paul is saying, doesn't matter what age category you're in, always conduct yourselves in such a way that even when questioned, you're going to come out on top. Having nothing evil to say to you, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. It's interesting that Paul is encouraging everyone. And, and though this, is, this text is talking about slave owning, and we know that slavery is, is in this sense of the word, is, is non-existent in, in most, most of the world today, Paul's view on this issue was still very, very different what the mindset was from, from the people back then. But he calls this the manner in which people were to behave. Make sure I have. Is this word here? Adorn. Do you know what this word is in the Greek? Is what we call the word cosmetic. Cosmetics will help accentuate beauty. They are not the all in all. But this is what we do. This is what brings the attention and calls attention to ourselves is not essentially what we say, but it's how we act. And as Christians, Paul is, a, is, a, is admonishing all of, all of his people. And here Titus, is, he's saying the same thing. What we do matters more than what we say. And is the, the adornment of, our, of, of this character is the fruit of our actions. Right? It matters. So there's a question that I have to ask you. What kind of life will evoke questions? What kind of life will draw out the questions that Paul is encouraging people to ask of us? So when we say to live questionable lives, you can take it in both ways. You can take it in the positive or you can take it in the negative. You're going to be asked questions regardless, right? When I was in high school, I did something I was, I'm not proud of. It tanked my reputation. And I had a pretty good one. But people, you go back one, please. Thank you. But people ask, no. but people ask, why did you do this? 
couldn't. I couldn't. And some of you may ask, well, what did you do, Pastor? It's a story for another time. What's important is that right now is that when you look at your life, do people know that you're different? And I'm not talking about wearing skirts down to your ankles, you you know, button up all the way to the top of your neck. I'm not talking about dress, essentially. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about behavior. People know you live questionable lives. Questionable lives in the sense that Paul is talking about. If not, well, the other question I have to ask you is then what are you doing or what are you not doing to be asked these questions? See, we, each and every one of us have functions. Our function as Christians is to arouse curiosity among unbelievers that will lead to questions of faith sharing. I think I shared the story before, but I'm going to share it again. When I was in officer training with the Air Force, and I asked for Sabbath off, I could not get Sabbath off, but I was given time, a time that I could go and worship on Sabbath. At the same time, I said, I, I cannot do any academic work on Sabbath. And the question was, why? Why, why can't I? I said, let me show you. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through, 10, through 11. And I was able to, from there, share, says, these, this is uh, also because I'm wearing a cross in my uniform as a chaplain. So it, it gives me an open door to talk about biblical things. But you all don't wear a cross in your uniform. You don't wear a cross in your shirt. See, it's, co it's common knowledge today that most people, especially here in, in Florida, in the southern United States, that you have open Christianity everywhere. And you can look at somebody's car, and there's a stamp of, of a cross in, in the bumper sticker. You can tell people are Christians by the way that they have a cross, either in their car, or they have a, a chain with a cross, or a tattoo. But are they? Are they different? I have met Christians. Let me, let me even bring it home. I have met Seventh-day Adventists who are Seventh-day Seventh Adventists, but not Seventh-day Seventh-day Adventists. And what Paul and Titus and Peter are all talking about is seven days, Seventh-day Adventists, not Seventh-day Adventists on the seventh day. So what are you doing differently? Are, you, are these questions coming up? Well, if not, and, and I'd like to propose something to you. This is the new year, right? We are officially now in, two, in 2022. 
one year closer to Jesus coming. But in that, while he has not yet come, the question is, what are we doing about it? I'd like to present to you our personal ministry plan for the church. My proposal to you is this. Are you willing to be a blessing? It, aren't, isn't that what essentially Paul is, is calling out the, the Colossians to be? A blessing? Walk circumspectly, so to speak. Speak with a little bit of salt. Be gracious. Be loving. But here's what, what we are what I'm proposing to you. Bless. Each one of these words means something. I'm not going to tell you if I don't have the time, if you don't have the time right now, but I'm going to propose that we adopt this model as individuals. And what does that mean? What does bless mean? Very easy. First of all, you're going to begin with prayer. The idea is that every single day you are going to surrender yourself to God and take yourself before the throne of grace and say, Lord, what is your plan for me today? Open my eyes that I may see, that I may be a blessing to somebody that needs to hear or see or just receive a blessing. The other aspect of bless is that you're going to be generous to somebody. Ideally, three days out of the week. You're going to be a blessing to somebody, to three people, each and every single week. Pastor, that's a lot. I know. But isn't that what God called us to do? He asked us to be loving seven days a week, not three. We start out this way because one of the things that we, we need to work on is loving relationships. And there's, one, there's only one way about to do that. You need to be generous with people. You need to show love to people. One of those three cannot be a member of this church. More to come on that. Okay? More to come on that. So, B, bless. L, listen. Listen to their story. Listen to people, where they come from. Okay? Also, eat. E, share a meal with somebody. Doesn't mean you're going to buy them food. You can say, hey, uh, I got half hour extra on my lunch break or whatever. Why don't we meet at the park or whatever? Use your creativity. Invite them over for dinner, maybe. Or you guys agree to go eat out if, if that's an option. I don't know. But eat, share a meal with somebody. You notice that most of the things, the important things Jesus had to say happened over a meal when he sat down with people and talked. All barriers are broken. Share a meal with somebody. Provide care for somebody, serve. This is in the sense of sharing the gospel. In story, share your story. 
You know, all of you have a specific story. Not all of you have the same story Cyrus has, or Craig, or Kevin, or John, or Steve, or myself, or Roy, or Tatiana. We all have our story. We all have a story in which how God has created a new heart in us. That is the story that cannot be disputed. That is the story that there is no argument against. And that is the story that you ought to share. It's not the story about who's the mark of the beast. It's not the story of doomsday religion. It's a story of how God transformed your life. That is what it means to be a man. You'll hear more about this if you have, if you're a part of our network in our communication. I will be sending out emails here in the next couple weeks. I'm, we're going to have a workshops on how to how to do this effectively. I would encourage you to make plans to be a part of that. But if you're saying, ah, I get it, Pastor. I took a picture of the, of the screen. I can do these things. Well, join us anyway. It's important that we all walk together, that we grow together, and that we expand the kingdom of God together. May God bless you.